Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. The Volume. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating with an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub. And with DraftKings parlays, Everyone's got a shot at even bigger basketball wins. String together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code JOHN. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5 only on DraftKings Sportsbook with Code John. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsible on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas. Licensed partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21+. plus. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in ONT. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out podcast, Thursday night. Bills, Josh Allen, take down the fighting Baker Mayfields, and Tom Brady ain't walking through that door. But some wide receivers could be walking out that door on the trade deadline. We will dive into the game, the matchups this weekend. There is not a bye this weekend. So we have 16 NFL games. When you look at the schedule, though, not many great matchups because a lot of the matchups do not include two winning teams. You could argue the best matchup of the day is Jags and Steelers. 
So when Sunday night is Chargers-Bears, kind of tells you everything you need to know. But hell, I love football. So do you. I just watched every snap of a Thursday night game that wasn't great, but I did enjoy it. So we will talk about everything coming up this weekend, as well as the Harbaugh story. I mean, there's a new nugget with the with this, uh, it's not Spygate, Spygate 2.0, College Spygate, it comes out every day. Something about TCU and the and the playoff game today. So it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch all how Jimmy Harbaugh fends off this craziness, and as well as the bold take of the week. But... But yeah, no mailbag today, but f- fire in those DMs. I love answering your questions. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. If you listen on Collins' feed, three and out. Subscribe to the feed, please. Appreciate everyone that has. And uh, let's have a good weekend. Let's enjoy some football. And before we dive into a lot of football talk, game time, grab your smartphone and download the fastest-growing ticketing app, which happens to be the official ticketing app of this podcast, Game Time. You want to go to an NFL game, you want to go to a college basketball game, you want to go to a concert, you want to go to a comedy show and laugh, put your feet up, have a good time, have some beers, do it on me. Promo code JOHN. When you sign up for your first pair of tickets, have interactive ticketing maps on the app. You can see where you're sitting, the sight lines, the price points. Cannot recommend them enough. Love my friends at Game Time. Been using them all year long. Go do it and do it now. Download the Game Time app. Promo code John, $20 off. I don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code, promo code John. Okay, the Bills, the score is a lot closer than what we just witnessed, and we will start with them. They're 5-3, and three and they've had a bizarre season. They've had some high highs and some low lows. I think big picture, clearly, when their quarterback is on, they are really good. He is a very, very special player. Tonight, as the kids would say, he was in his bag. He looked freaking excellent. He dominated that game. Uh, Honestly, the box score doesn't do him justice because the pick was pretty freakish. Great play by Winfield. But Josh Allen was brilliant from the jump tonight. He came out. Honestly, the Bills felt like an NBA team with a top five NBA player that just said, I'm going off. You're not stopping me. I'm carrying us to the promised land on this Thursday night game, especially after a terrible divisional loss last week. But here's what I asked myself with the Bills. They're all in on this team, right? And some things have not gone well for them. Given the injuries, they've lost several impact defensive starters. Last year, they make the acquisition for Vaughn Miller. Tears his ACL. Love the guy. Have a lot of admiration for Vaughn Miller. One of the biggest bets I've ever made. Came in the Super Bowl where he was the MVP. He'll always have a special place in my heart. But he's just not the same guy. He's really not. So they need help. And I think they are a clear team. One of the teams who views themselves, fair or not, as a Super Bowl contender, as someone who's going to be sniffing around and go big game hunting over these next couple days. And to me, it would not shock me on Monday or Tuesday if they get very aggressive. You know, aggressive like trading a first-round pick for a very highly impactful player. Clearly on defense, they could use help. Defensive line, you can never have enough of them offensively, it feels like the Bills, you know, have a lot of firepower in the passing game. When when Davis is playing like this, obviously Diggs is an elite player, and the young dude from Boise State, 10, is good. I like him a lot. Cook has his moments, and obviously Josh Allen can run around. You could always use another weapon, but to me, defense is where you win championships, and I think they're going to be sniffing around some big-time guys. Be willing to give a first-round pick. They're already all in. 
You're paying the quarterback this much. He's in the prime of his career. Both the GM and the coach now have been together for a long time. You're so close. You're right there. You know, you've competed. You've dominated your division. You know, the only way to get over the hump, like this team's probably not good enough. Now you add a piece. I'm not even saying they're one player away, but they don't have many other options at this point in time in the season, but to try to add a big-time player. And, and I kind of expect them, depending on who truly is available, you know, come Sunday, Monday, and we'll find out more as teams lose on Sunday, is for the Bills to be a major, major player in, in the trade market. And speaking of a team who should wait, because to me the Bills, if your quarterback gets really hot, and last year, I think a lot of people make excuses for them at the end of the season, everything that would happen to them in terms of being displaced with the uh, the blizzard, what happened to DeMar, uh, and the way the season ended, let's face it, it, was pretty embarrassing against the Bengals, but a lot of people internally somewhat defended it. Now, and I know you've had some adversity, you've lost some guys, but how you know you got a quarterback in the peak of his powers, you got to do everything humanly possible to give yourself the best chance the cards you have right now are are just, it is what it is, but you can add. And to me, a first-round pick for a high-end player should be something they're all over. When it comes to the Bucks, listen, Jason Light, several years ago landing Tom Brady, changed his resume, changed this franchise resume forever. It was incredible, and it worked. It's over. Like, like this group of older veteran guys, I know their record, it's not like they're one and six Right, they are three and four. They've lost three three straight games, and honestly, before that, kind of lucky touchdown, one of the worst drives you'll ever see toward the end of the game. It took like twenty five minutes that got them that extra touchdown, and then the two point conversion, which was pretty lucky. This team was struggling to score ten points for three straight games. This offense isn't good. And listen, I I actually think he's resurrected his career a little bit, Baker Mayfield, but he's not a starting quarterback. He's a guy on your NFL team, really good backup, can come in in a pinch, get for a couple million dollars, and if you need him to play, you can win a game. But when he has to play over and over and over again, he's just not that good. And every time they talk about him on a broadcast, what are the for the swagger, the intensity, and all that stuff matters. But ultimately, you also need the talent, as you saw today with the Buffalo Bills. He he just doesn't have it. And there were passes flying all over the place tonight. Uh uh, if I'm the Bucks, I'm basically making every player on my team available beside a couple. And even then, you know, the Wurfs, the Winfields, make me an offer that's going to be very, very hard for me to refuse. But the Godwins, the Evans, for sure. Uh, I know Vita Vea was inactive tonight, but I would definitely listen. Devin White, th- th- there is not any veteran player at this point in time that I wouldn't think about detonating this thing, blowing it up. And starting all over next year. And then the big picture question is Todd Bowles. And he's long been known as one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. And I agree. He's an excellent defensive coordinator when he just gets to be the number two. Sometimes when you get to be the number one, your strength as a coordinator is immediately diminished. We've seen that with Brandon Staley. His one year with the Rams, when he didn't have to focus on the macro view of the team, he could just focus on his 30 guys. He was awesome. You put him in front of the entire team. He has to manage the staff. He has to manage the offense in terms of you know confidence and talk to them and call the defense. Overwhelmed. I think you see this with Todd Bowles. When Todd Bowles has been allowed to be the coordinator for Arians, he dominates. 
But when he becomes the head coach, the final play call, which ultimately, you know, essentially ended the game, he blitzes the nickel corner on like third and three or third and four. It's like, Todd, that guy's never going to get home. Easy pass, Josh Allen to Diggs. And listen, Todd Bowles is a guy known to blitz a lot. That's kind of his calling card. He's like a Wink Martindale. Very blitz-heavy guy. There's nothing wrong with that if that's your style. But that blitz at that time, when their star wide receivers right there, to me was idiotic. And that speaks to a guy who's a number two put in the number one spot. Everything from there gets diminished. And I think you're seeing Todd Bowles, you know, he's obviously not that great of a head coach, but his great skill as a coordinator is not as strong when he's also the head coach. So I think his job status is clearly, as they keep losing, because I got news for you, they're going to keep losing. The other thing is, when you lose a lot, your offense is terrible. It's one thing if you're in a division with several 12 or 13 win teams, they're in the worst division in football. Saints stink, uh, Falcons stink. It, it, it's not. A, it's just not a good division. So I think the Bucks are not. Shouldn't just be open for business. I think they should pull the trigger and get rid of a ton of guys. Follow what the Titans are doing and just reset your franchise. I have no problem with everything they did for the last several years, but it's time. And you can see it on full display with Baker Mayfield as your quarterback. And speaking about teams that should reset is a lot of times, you know, in football, this is not the NBA where you start tanking basically immediately. I mean, Greg Popovich, who never shuts up, tanked for like three straight years. And he's always screaming about the integrity of the game. Like, he's a sneaky king tanker. He's just not as outspoken about it as a guy like Sam Hinkie was. But he's done it several times throughout his career in multiple decades. In the NFL, being a head coach is too valuable. It's too financially... Uh, lucrative for these guys. They fight for every inch. As a player, no guaranteed contracts. All you have on your resume is what you put on tape. So every team tries, whether you're good or bad. So no one truly tanks. Hell, Stephen Ross, which I don't blame him, told Brian Flores, I'll give you money under the table. Just lose games. And he beat the Bengals, and it cost them Joe Burrow. Now, ultimately, in a weird way, it's kind of worked out, but not for him. He got run out of town, and now McDaniel somewhat reaps the rewards, I guess. But there are several teams, to me, that if they lose on Sunday, have to acknowledge, like, it's it's time to get rid of some veterans and try to, obviously, use and develop some younger players. But we need to be open for business. To me, the Patriots, the Vikings... The Packers, obviously the Vikings and the Packers play each other. Washington, the Giants, the Chargers. Any of these teams, if they lose, especially the Chargers. Like, if you lose on Sunday night to this second or Division II quarterback and your season is just done, because that's what it would be, it would be officially done. Like, how about you start taking some calls? And if you're Dean Spanos, you hit the blow-up button, maybe you fire the coach, but you trade the players. And you kind of reset this for the next guy coming in this offseason. You give him more draft capital. You already got the quarterback on board. And you try to rebuild this team. Same thing with the Giants. Listen, Brian Dayball has shown a lot of grittiness this last couple weeks, right? They took the Bills right down to the wire. They, they won last week. You know, they've done that with Tyrod Taylor. I saw, I, he, he, I guess he wouldn't have talked on Thursday, but it was either on Wednesday. It, yeah, probably was Wednesday where he said he stopped. I think Jordan Renan. Asked him in the press conference, he, he said, did you say something to Saquon Barkley? He said he grabbed Saquon Barkley and told him, we don't intend to trade you. Like, we have no intention of trading you. I know the rumors are out there. 
I think they should if they get a good offer. I'm not saying give them away, but you lose this weekend. Like you wouldn't trade them to the Bills for like a second round pick. I'm not saying the Bills would do that, but you got to be open to these ideas. You're going nowhere. Is Saquon going to be on your team in two or three years? Newsflash, probably not. You just weren't giving him a long-term extension now. So if you can get the proper value for a guy who now makes a lot of money, who you are very hesitant to give a long-term contract, you have to be open-minded to the idea. Uh, obviously, the commanders, in a weird spot. Coach feels like he's kind of coaching for their, his job. Was it Diana Rossini or her, one of the NFL newsbreakers that think some people believe that Ron Rivera thinks that because Josh Harris had to leverage so much money to buy this franchise that he's not just flush with cash to buy his staff out and then hire a new staff. So who knows? But regardless, if I'm the owner, we lose this weekend. Like, trade whoever you want to trade. Let's get some picks. Obviously, the losers of the Vikings-Packer game, I mean, they're going nowhere fast. The Vikings, even if they were to win, they've already kind of acknowledged cutting all the guys this offseason. They're not going to re-sign Kirk Cousins, you don't think. Like, why wouldn't you be open for business? You're, You're not, like, winning a playoff game. I know it was fun on Monday night, but that's probably the peak of your season. Now, the thing with the Patriots is, like, who do they really have to trade at this point? Uh, but, you know, if anyone gives them an offer or anybody and you lose this week to the Dolphins, like, send them packing. And that speaks to some of the pressure on the quarterbacks this weekend. I think there are guys that are kind of under the microscope. And, and one guy, and listen, I defend him because I think he's awesome, and I feel comfortable defending. I think he's a really good player. Now, is he accomplished, like, win an MVP like Lamar, or win a Super Bowls like... Patrick Mahomes, or even consistently winning like Josh Allen? No, he's not. Would every team in the league beside like 27 teams, or excuse me, 27 of the 32 teams want this guy as their quarterback? Yes, that's Justin Herbert. But Sunday night, despite a coach who has no clue what he's doing, despite a bunch of injuries, despite a defense that can't stop a soul, like you kind of need to come out and eviscerate the Chicago Bears. Like that's, That kind of needs to happen. Now, I understand you playing in a in a venue that's going to be 75% West Coast Chicago Bears fans, but you just got to do something. I, I think there is tangible pressure on Justin Herbert to not just have a good game, but a little like Josh Allen tonight, just have a game like, we're not fucking losing. Uh, <laughs> under no circumstances on my watch are we losing this game. And, you know, kind of need that to happen. The other guy is, he doesn't quite make as much as Herbert, but they gave him a lot of money this offseason. And as you saw tonight, the Bucks stink. I, I think the Falcons stink. I mean, they have good individual players. But as a team, I, I'm just not buying it. Like, no chance. The Carolina Panthers can't win a game to save their life. The Saints paid all this money for Derek Carr. They were not expecting Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson. They were just expecting someone to play like the 12th or 13th quarterback in the league. Which he has done at times in his career. And then this week, you know, J.T. O'Sullivan, former NFL quarterback, played at UC Davis, actually. Funny story, when he was in college, he pretended to be doing like a charity drive where he was accepting money. Turns out it was a fake charity. He was drunk, but that's that's a long time ago now. But he runs a successful YouTube channel where he breaks down quarterback play. And I think he was very, very critical on the video. Uh, It would have been, what, last Thursday against... Cars game against the Jags. And rightfully so. Like Derek has consistently, for what they paid him and what they expected, been pretty awful. You know, you're playing the Colts, who have shown some life, but 
Their, their number four pick is on injured reserve with a sling on his arm. They've got Gardner Minshew. Like, you got to make some plays. Indoors. Like th- Part of the reason, and I, I'm kicking myself for doing this because ultimately their coaches, Dennis Allen and Derek, like that's not a great combination. But everyone that was bullish on the Saints, like myself, we just went through their schedule. It's like bad quarterback, bad quarterback, rookie quarterback, bad quarterback. There weren't many Tom Brady's and Peyton Manning's on that schedule. Yet all of a sudden you lose this game, you're three and five, and you're a joke. So I, I, I think there is tangible pressure on Derek Carr, and uh, it's easy for him to say, "Well, you expect me to answer a question in a press conference about a you know journeyman quarterback? Give me a break." No, Derek, I, I think the guy had some valid points. Like it, it was very fair. You're playing poorly, and then two other younger players that I think that I saw Kurt Warner online was coming to the defense of Jordan Love that said when you went through the All-22, that where what was he supposed to do with the ball? And so basically what he's saying is it's more on the play caller. Here's what I would say. You don't need to be Bill Walsh or Shane Steichen or Sean McVay meets Kyle Shanahan to sit on your couch for three or four weeks and just go, yeah, this guy feels a little overwhelmed. And that's what it's consistently felt like with Jordan Love. Can you break down every route concept and hot route and everything that's going right and wrong on the offense from your couch? Of course not. Even if you or me get the All-22, do I know their offense, everyone's, what they're supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do? No, you don't unless you have the playbook. But I think it's pretty clear the last several weeks that Jordan has been a little overwhelmed. And like I said, I think to Colin on Sunday night, and I've been saying this from the beginning, the moment they signed him to that contract extension and did not give him the fifth-year option, it told you what they thought about him. It also was an incredible contingency plan. If it doesn't work out, we get a guy, we can move back to backup quarterback, or even if it gets really weird, we have to not keep him around. We're not even paying him that much money, so they're not even screwed. But if this guy wants to continue to start, like he's going to have to start making some plays. So he's home, off a bye, playing Minnesota, like, come on, bro. Like, let's make some plays. And uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I guess he's not off a of bye. He was off a of bye last week, didn't play that well. But he's well-rested. Got guys coming back from injury. Uh, I'm just, can Jordan Love show me anything? Because I wanted to like him, right? Mobility, big arm strength. But you got to be able to play the position. And right now you watch Jordan Love, you're like, eh, I don't really see it. And last but not least, listen, I've been critical of this guy simply because uh, I, I've said it forever. That the Mac Jones, the Kenny Picketts are guys I would take in the third round. And I talked to a guy that runs a college draft, like a college scouting director. And he's like, you know, the problem with that, that mindset is what is ultimately the difference if you're going to take a guy in the second or third round at quarterback? Because you're ultimately kind of staying, you could see this guy being your starter. So if you're going to take, what's the difference of taking the guy at the end of the second round or at pick 22 or at pick 15? The difference is when you trade up to get a guy. But if you let the guy fall to you and you view him as a starter, even if you acknowledge in the draft room, yeah, listen, his ceiling is not what these other guys are, but we need a quarterback and we view him as a starter, there's not much difference. Now, there's a little difference in terms of the financial impact, but where I do agree is like that guy, if you're willing to take him at 15 or 20, and I view historically that guy as a third-round talent, in that individual draft, that player is not going to be there in the third round. So you have to, if you really need the quarterback, taking him at 15-20 is understandable. I disagree with it. I wouldn't do it. 
more Mac than Kenny Pickett because of the players around Kenny Pickett. But I, I do understand the logic when you need a quarterback, and clearly the Steelers and you know the Patriots need a quarterback. Well, Mac Jones last week was just much better, right? Their offense, clearly their offensive line, got some guys back off injury, made some moves, was much better. Uh, he's better under center. He's more comfortable when you get rid of the ball quickly. Early on, and last year when he was falling apart, and early on this year, what bothers me about players that have limited skill sets is when they try to play like Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen. And they run, Baker does this sometimes. And they like run around behind the pocket like they are Russell Wilson in his prime. It's like, bro, this is not your game. You might make a play one time, scrambling around, doing a 360, getting out of the pocket, throwing it downfield. But more often than not, with your skill set, it's going to lead to disaster. It's going to lead to an interception. It's going to lead to you getting sacked. It's going to be a negative play. That play consistently, when you keep going back to it, even if other people fucked up, even if your offensive line got lit up, even if the receiver ran the wrong route, just hit the ground. Live to play another down. That's how you have to play. You have to play very, very conservatively. Josh Allen, the Jalen Hurts, the Patrick Mahomes, because of their skill set, they can play outside the pocket. Think about it like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Two guys, greatest quarterback ever, another guy in the top five. They never played outside the pocket because they knew only bad things could happen, right? That that's, wasn't their game. So when other people screwed up and they couldn't get rid of the ball, they would just hit the ground. They'd just wave the white flag. The problem with a guy like Mac is he's slightly athletic enough, to, and you see it with Baker, to kind of take off. But more often than not, that's when problems you know, arise because that is not their game. And I think you just got to keep Mac Jones in the pocket, get the ball out of the quick, and if it's not there, Mac, go down. Throw the ball away. That is the only way we're going to be able to function as a team. We clearly are not explosive enough to score 35 points. You're not a good enough player to just run around and make shit happen. Play in the construct of the offense, and if other people outside of you are screwing up, not open, you know, free rushers, just go down. That's fine. We'll take a loss. I'd rather take a three-yard loss then you throw a pick six, or you throw the ball to the other team. Because when the Patriots were getting mollywopped by teams like the Saints, that's what he was doing. He was just trying to play outside of his own skill set. So if Bill O'Brien and Belichick can just get him back, you know, contained, it, that game's kind of interesting. Uh, now, Tyreek, I saw today, says he's going to play this week uh, with was a hamstring or hip injury. Uh, clearly, he's, you know one of the most dominant players in the NFL. So him being in or out is a really big deal. But we talked about this last week with the Patriots. Don't love them against random teams. Like if you told me next week they're playing the Jags or they're playing Seattle at Seattle. It's like, do not like that matchup. But those six games against the AFC East, you got to like their chances. You really do. He knows these players. He knows their skill set. I mean, look at when they played the Dolphins who early on in the season were lighting everyone up like a Christmas tree. Belichick had a chance to win. And to me, it gets back to familiarity and just his coaching and understanding of the three teams that he plays, you know, total times six times a year. And it's not just when he plays the Dolphins. When he plays the Bills and he's getting ready for the Bills, he's watching Dolphins tape to get that that game. So you see all the cross tape, your knowledge of those players. I say it all the time, all these divisional games. I don't care if it's like, the 7-1 Eagles against the winless Commanders. Or, you know, the 5-1 the Seattle against the winless Arizona. 
those players, the, the comfort level they have, the schemes, the carryover, even as new coaches come and go, a lot of the players are the same. There's not an intimidation factor. So I think with division games, things get weird and things can get weird very fast. So I'm, I'm very fascinated to watch those quarterbacks. Uh, a couple other, obviously the Browns thing has gotten pretty weird. You know, he says he's hurt. It feels like the Browns kind of say he's hurt, but also don't want to say it, but they also don't totally agree with everything. Bizarre situation. They have, they're going to Seattle. Seattle wins, and if it turns out Sam Darnold has to play, all of a sudden Seattle, you know, the Niners would have lost three straight games, and Seattle would be in first place in the NFC West. Think how crazy that would be. Now, I still think the Niners, there's going to be a kitchen sink game. Kyle Shanahan threw his defensive coordinator under the bus this week, even though what the defensive coordinator did was dumb. You just don't often see coaches publicly say, like, yeah, that was a stupid call about their coordinator, especially with a new coordinator. And my theory simple is I, I do wonder if some of the star players on the Niners, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, Ward, are not really feeling this. Like, they've been with D'Amico the last couple of years. They know what elite game plans are. And this guy's game plans are a little different than what they're used to. So if he kind of just publicly did that to kind of show his locker room, like, yeah, I'm not cool with it either. Even though I hired this guy, and even though I'm the boss, and at any moment over the headset, I can say do something else. But a little bit of a bizarre situation. The Niners, even when things are going good, things always get a little weird uh, with Kyle and this team. Now you're getting Sam Darnold. So, you know, Bengals coming off a bye. Jamar Chase is 50 catches right now. 50 catches. They played six games. So, I mean, do, do the math. Like, he's, he's on pace for a lot of receptions this year. Jordan Addison just lit up the Niners. That's going to be interesting. And all you know, if Seattle thing with Cleveland is two weeks ago they won with PJ Walker holding on for dear life against the Niners. I mean, he could have thrown like five picks. Last week he essentially started because Deshaun got hurt early on in that game. And same type deal, they held on for dear life. Now he's starting again from from the from the jump in this game. Are you gonna win three straight games with PJ Walker playing the majority of the snaps at quarterback? It feels like it's gonna be difficult, especially two road games. So this is a spot for Cleveland. They win this game. You have to wonder, like, would they sniff around some upgrades at quarterback given that Deshaun, who knows his situation with his shoulder? So because their team, you, you win this game, you, you go 3-0 with P.J. Walker? I mean, that's, that's an incredible accomplishment. I don't think – I wonder if there's another team – like, the Niners couldn't do it. The Eagles maybe could do it if they just ran it every play with DeAndre Swift – but even that would be hard. Like What Cleveland is doing right now with P.J. Walkers, you win this game, just I think you got to trade for a quarterback. Uh, and last but not least, a story. Well, I want to give uh, congratulations to Sean McVay. He had a baby today, uh, Jordan McVay. So congrats to the McVay family. As he said a couple weeks ago, my son knows better. He will not be born on game day. And he was right. He was born in the middle of the week. Sean will be coaching in Dallas. Uh, tricky game, too. It's a little bit like, uh, you know, those 9 a.m. kickoffs for us on the West Coast. Like when Colorado early on the season kicked off at 9 a.m. with USC. That body clock game, it's it's tough. And the Rams, how often do the Cowboys play a 10 a.m. game at, at home? I get, You know, 12, 12 o'clock their time. But that Rams going on the road, 10 a.m. body clock, but it's not on the East Coast. Kind of a bizarre deal. T- tough spot for the Rams for sure especially with Sean, who I would imagine has been in and out of the office all week. 
But there was a college football reporter broke a story today that that TCU got word of uh, the Michigan ch- cheating scandal feels a little strong, uh, sign scandal that they steal your signs and they go to your games. Even though I understand when in a conference game when you do it because you know all your opponents, I would imagine it would have been a little more difficult with uh, some of these playoff opponents Though I guess the Marine guy could have sent someone to the Big 12 championship game, which I would imagine they did, uh, once they kind of got an idea of who they could play in the playoff game once they beat Ohio State. But TCU, and I would imagine it was Sonny Dykes or one of the coordinators, leaked that they got word that Michigan was going to have all their signs. So what they did is all the signs they used, they just made them all dummy signs. And they changed them all. But they still used them on game day, and they told all their players, none of them work. But we're just going to do it like we normally do, look at it like you normally would, but they're all fake. And I went to the box score. It's not like Max Duggan or whoever threw for 700 yards, but they did lose 51 to 45. And I do wonder if that's true. Like, I understand if you have the signs why you would utilize them against Penn State, against Wisconsin, against Ohio State. But Michigan, as you saw in the national championship game, I'm not saying they should have won the game 70-7 to or whatever Georgia beat TCU. But if you play that game, Michigan, and no one has any plays or signs, Michigan should win that game 8 or 9 out of 10 times. And I wonder if that the way they were going about the sign stuff fucked them up in that game. Because you, you shouldn't need the signs to run Sonny Dykes' spread offense when you have better players at every position. And I wonder if that's something that Jim Harbaugh's thinking about, like, especially after he lost. Like, did we overthink that one? Just play the freaking game against that guy. I understand stealing the signs against Georgia. I understand stealing the signs against Ohio State. You're going to need those advantages to beat those teams. But against TCU, and I'm not diminishing anything TCU did last year. Incredible accomplishment, and that's an unreal win against Michigan. But I wonder if Michigan almost slowed themselves down, being so obsessed with the signs against an opponent that they were a heavy favorite. And I also wonder where this is going to go because every day kind of a new story breaks. I, you know, He's going to keep playing these games, is, is going to get vacated in a year. He probably won't even be in college football. But this is just a story that keeps on giving. And I, I can't lie, while I don't think, you know, I said my piece earlier this week on the sign stealing, it is entertaining all the different angles that keep coming out. Okay, last but not least, Bold take of the week. Brought to you by my friends at Guinness. And early on, I was getting really aggressive. I was trying to pick games that, hoping to hit a huge underdog. And you realize that's going to happen once in a blue moon. Last week, I got to give myself some credit. I said that someone was going to get fired in the NFL. And Frank Reich essentially fired himself. Demoted himself and made... His offense made the offensive coordinator gave him the play calling. He was no longer the play caller. This week, I looked at the slate like it was. I don't love the Patriots to beat the Dolphins. I didn't love any huge upsets. There aren't many crazy games in college that I felt good about. I do think with the amount of teams in the NFL starting to realize, yeah, we, we're not that good. And once the, this weekend happens and some of these kind of 500 teams are three and four, but also kind of feel lifeless. I wonder if they wave the white flag. Really good quarterback draft. Really good draft in general. And when I say white flag, they'd still try. 
but just be really open to trade veteran players. And I, I think we're going to see last year, it was a little earlier than the trade deadline. McCaffrey got traded. We've seen Vaughn Miller got traded. It's been a couple years since we've seen the big, a number one for a player. I think we see a first round pick traded over the next four or five days for a player. I don't know who. I also think there's a chance for there to be some players. We're talking about Mike Evans. We're talking about Chris Godwin. We're talking about the same names on a lot of the teams that we see. Are we sure there couldn't be a sleeper name? There are some guys making enormous contracts in the NFL. You know, the Rams are a good example. Would they just entertain? You lose this week to Dallas. All of a sudden you realize, yeah, we're probably not a playoff team. Could we get like a one and two twos for Aaron Donald? A guy who's getting up there in age, makes a ton of money. And I'm not advocating, like I wouldn't want to trade him either. But you got to think big picture. And this is part of being a GM. Everything we did before worked. We blew all these picks on players and it netted us a ton of playoff victories and obviously a Super Bowl championship. And I'm just using them as an example. But those type players, pro bowl, all pro level players on teams going nowhere and on teams who are just more likely to reset over the next 12, 18 months than to be in the Super Bowl contention window. So I I expect definitely a first-round pick to get thrown around uh, on Monday or Tuesday, and honestly, maybe more. So that's my bold take of the week, brought to you by Guinness. Gather your friends, raise your glasses, and toast to a win. Guinness Drought Stout. Imported by Diageo Beer Company, USA, New York, New York. Please drink responsibly. For a limited time, you can save 40% on NFL Plus premium annual subscription when you sign up through Plus Play from Verizon. Plus Play is a platform where you can shop, manage, and save on the subscriptions you already love, like NFL Plus. With NFL Plus Premium, you get access to live games on mobile, NFL Red Zone, NFL Network, and more. So you can watch multiple games all at once on any screen around you for updates. Never miss a touchdown. And for fantasy football players, NFL Plus Premium makes all the difference. Access to programming like Fantasy Live through NFL Network, Red Zone for tracking player performance on Sunday. Access to live local primetime games. Access to Fantasy Plus. Just go to verizon.com slash NFL to get NFL Plus Premium today. It's 40% off an annual subscription. That's just $59.99 for the full season. Get it before it's gone. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. 
LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Okay, back at it again with my main man in the trenches from the Action Network. You can hear him on Big Bets on Campus. Live from Lexington, Kentucky. Stucky. What's happening, bro? What's going on, brother? Excited for a uh, another weekend of football. So I think I can't believe it's week eight, week eight, and week nine in college already. You know, you the time waiting for football in the summer is so slow, and then all all of a sudden you're like, wow, we're halfway done, and then wow, we're in, in bowl season. Wow, we're in the NFL playoffs. So hey, I wish I could yeah, hit rewind. these weekends. I know. Is yeah. is it already? Uh, did they do the midnight madness already out where you are for Kentucky basketball? Yep, that's been done. And uh, one last hurrah for the Kentucky football team. I think they win actually this weekend. Um, I think they're they're getting three and a half, but they'll play Tennessee Saturday night. There's a lot of hate between those two schools. Then all the attention will officially turn to basketball. Well. Last week, uh, Brandon Staley put up his uh, – showed you his hand again, and the Steelers' offense looked good. But, you know, the Ravens dominated. The Pats won outright. So, you know, we, we held our head high. This week, before we dive into the NFL, it's crazy. You know, you tried to, you know, give, give me some talking points and numbers in relation to Utah going into that game. And then after they won, really seeing the numbers of that quarterback in the previous game and the difference of how he played against USC was pretty eye-opening. I mean, he, he averaged double the amount. I think it was like almost under five yards per attempt. He was over 10. He fucking looked like, you know, an NFL prospect against them. Just, just an all-time loss, uh, again, for the really the USC defense. 
Yeah, no, that was a great call by you. Uh, I even had some USC minus four. I just bet. Four I just half. bet on the culture and the physicality. Obviously, bet yeah, not a you pig. Were right. He's a third string pig farming quarterback who lit him up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, Caleb Williams. He wants to be the number one overall pick and a part ownership of the team. Have an ownership of the NFL team that drafts him. I mean, and then he's losing it at home to a guy that was working at Lowe's a month ago because he wasn't on scholarship uh and he had to pay for his tuition so he's working at Lowe's, then going to practice so um yeah bad look for lincoln riley then he doesn't make his players available to the media same old story with that defense and yeah they were shredded through the air on the ground baki had another huge day and the, just the usc team the, the you know you speak of culture the culture difference between those two teams is massive and you saw, you know, Caleb Williams looks disinterested at times. I don't, I don't know if he's already checked out. Just looking forward to the NFL, but like just, you know, eating gummy worms during the timeouts. Not going to none of the players went to shake Utah's hands at the end. None of the players went to the media and talk for the first time ever after a USC game. You know, there's just no care about the defense from the staff and Lincoln Riley. So, and it's just that's it's just a soft team. Um, that's the first time I've bet on USC under Lincoln Riley in my life, and it might be the last. Um, so yeah, good call by you on the Utes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you look around college basketball and college football, there's you know 10, 15 programs that are just held to a higher standard. You're sitting around one in Kentucky basketball, USC football, Duke basketball, Alabama football. And they don't feel, and starting with Lincoln, like they kind of get it. I mean, that body language from Caleb. And listen, losing sucks. No, no one acts like you should be smiling, right? But his body language is beyond shitty. Obviously, Lincoln having, I mean, he was screaming at the, he was having like a mental breakdown five minutes into the game. And Kyle Whittingham, let's face it, is just, I don't think people quite understand, you know, it, within 20 years, they were in the whack playing San Diego State and Fresno State. Like, that's who they played. And now they run the Pac-12. I mean, two years ago, they d- they ended Mario Cristobal, sent him running to Miami. Last year, they swept USC. So they've been to back-to-back Rose Bowls. And I, I don't know if they're going to get back this year, but they definitely have the opportunity they're, they're again. They're doing this without their starting quarterback <laughs> this year. Starting quarterback. Their backup quarterback. Now, you could argue Kyle's a little crazy. He does full-on scrimmages in August where the quarterback is also live. And I think the guy, like, lacerated his kidney. So their backup quarterback for Cam Rising that was supposed to be their quarterback has been, like, season-ending injury in a live scrimmage in August. But but it kind of represents their program, right? How tough they are. So it's why you can't discount them this week. You know, Oregon should beat them, but... I. I wouldn't feel great about betting against Utah at home, would you? Nope. Yeah, I, I have a rule of thumb that I'll rarely break, if ever, and that's do not bet against Utah at home. Rice Eccles, there's like some, it's kind of like the Steelers at home as an underdog. Utah at home as an underdog. I think Whittingham's numbers as, a, as an underdog over a field goal are ridiculous, but. There's just some voodoo that goes on in that stadium. And obviously, it's one of the best home fields, home field advantages in all of college football. You even saw that at the Pac-12 championship down in Vegas. It looked, it was just a sea of uh, red. Yeah. But at home, there's just some weird things that happen and uh, they play up even more. And teams, quarterbacks just go and, and die there. So, yeah, I think Oregon probably finds a way to win. 
but we've seen road Bo Nix. Bo Nix hasn't, throughout his career, he hasn't played nowhere close to as well as he does at home. And now you're going to Rice Eccles where weird things happen. You know, those two things colliding could lead to disastrous results. So uh, I have no money on that game. I'll sit back, watch, and enjoy it. Okay, let's dive into the uh, National Football League. As of recording this, you know, I think it's more than up in the air on Tyree Kill and his hamstring injury. I mean, Tua kind of alluded to that when I saw him talking on Wednesday about if he can't go, we've got to step up. One, do the Patriots have life or was just somewhat of an outlier game slash they're just going to play better against their divisional opponents? Well, look at this. They're playing a divisional opponent. Now, I'm sure you got some numbers. Historically, I don't care if it's Tom Brady. I don't care if it's Tony Eason. They're not exactly dominating as a franchise down south. So that would make me a little nervous, but I don't really know what to make of this Patriot team because when you watch them play random teams like the Saints, they get curb stomped. Then you watch them play against a divisional opponent and really all three games. I mean, their two wins are against the Jets and the Bills, and they played Miami pretty tough too. They look like a different team, so... I, I definitely give the Patriots not just a fighting chance, but if Tyree kills out, we know, like you always say, Belichick loves to take away your number one option. So, boom, he slows down Waddle, who's also dealing with injuries. And I, I don't know. this Maybe Mac Jones has got a little uh, positive mojo rolling. Yeah, I, I like the Patriots here. I think this line is too high, especially with the injuries. You also have Teron Armstead, your star left tackle. Isaiah Wynn, your left guard. They both just hit IR. Connor Williams, your center, still dealing with an injury. You mentioned Watt on the back spasms. They can flare up at any time. I mean, this offense is a shell of itself. Defense, Mike, you know, is getting healthier, but it's still not a great defense. And the Patriots already showed that they can slow down this Miami offense, and they took away the big plays, and that was a much healthier Miami offense. And the main reason for this is that, look, the Patriots going into last week, I, I mentioned this on last week's show, they weren't as bad. They were bad. But it wasn't as bad as it looked because they were getting also unlucky in turnovers, field goals, fumbles, a lot of high-variant stats. But the biggest thing that happened last week that I saw is the changes on offense. Through the first six or seven weeks, their offensive line was an out. It was just an outright disaster. They had a bunch of injuries. They had guys in there that were among, I think, four guys that were amongst the bottom 10 ranked offensive linemen in pass blocking. Uh, out of like 200 offensive linemen. They were playing a lot of those guys at the same time. Last week, you know, you get Cole Strange back, and it's not like these guys are all pros. It's that the drop-off to the replacement is huge. Uh, so you got Cole Strange back at guard. You kicked – they kicked on Wenu out to right tackle, and their right tackle has been the worst in the NFL. Think of, you know, PFF had graded at 27 out of 100 on the season. Berdarian Lowe and Calvin Anderson are way below replacement-level players, and that's where they were playing a right tackle. So their offensive line finally was healthy and looked competent. And Mac Jones needs that. Not the most mobile guy. If the pocket craters, his footwork gets lost, uh, he starts to make mistakes. So offensive line, healthier. So what does that mean? Jones is actually able to go through his progressions a little bit. But they were able to run the ball, set up play action. They used a ton of moment. And Bill O'Brien made a number of adjustments here. Put Mac Jones under center more. Uh, they use motion 73% of the time. They use some ghost motion. But it's really just, hey, let's establish the run play action. Mac Jones, I think, it was 7 of 8, 98 yards on play action. So it was a lot of let's establish the run, short passes. And 
you know, we kick kick on Wenu out to right tackle. Devontae Parker, get him out of there. He's done. He's washed. He's he can't get separation. You get Demario Douglas back, who's much better. Didn't Kendrick Bill Warren's didn't Bill just well. pay him? Yeah. Bad, bad, bad. He can't he can't he should not be a GM anymore. <laughs> no. Um so yeah, a lot of the changes that O'Brien made and some of the the guys that they got back made their offense. Their offense is not going to be good this year. Matt Jones isn't good, but they can be an efficient, serviceable offense that can just move, the, you know, rely on the run game, rely on play action, short passes, control the clock, move the ball efficiently. And their defense is, you know, it's not as an elite old Patriots team, but it's still decent. Um, and it's still going to play every week. And last week they were able to get a ton of pressure on Josh Allen. They're getting a little healthier. Maybe you get Uche, Uche back. Their secondary is getting healthier. So uh, there's also going to be high, very high wins here in Miami this week, and that favors the Patriots. What the Patriots want to do, yeah. the Patriots just want to sh- throw it short and run it. So there's too many points in the divisional game. Uh, I think the Patriots carry over some of the momentum from last week, and a lot of that was sustainable because of the changes that they made offensive line and some of the play calling and motion that they were using and some of the guys that got back. Throw in the Miami injuries, and I think this is too high. Well, one trend we saw last week is these division games are just tightly contested. I don't care if yep. it's two shitty teams, if it's a Bills versus the Patriots. It doesn't matter. You're just going to get, I mean, like the 49ers can play the Cardinals and it could be tied at half. You're just going to get opponents, even if they have new coaching staffs, the players know each other. You know their strengths yep. and weaknesses. You're comfortable going up against a guy, a quote-unquote big name against a smaller name. Well, if that smaller name has been a multi-year starter, he's not as intimidated going up against that all-pro, right? He's used to seeing Aaron Donald or TJ Watt or whoever the matchup is. And, I mean, I, I the games we're talking about today are all divisional games, and it's just I, I would say that tends to favor the underdog, right? Like Denver, Kansas City. Obviously, everyone all year has been making fun of Denver since the season started. Uh, they've definitely looked a little more functional since that 70-point ass-kicking. Uh, but, you know, they have a lot of defensive players who have just seen Patrick Mahomes. Now, Sean Payton is a new coach. They have a brand-new coaching staff. But, uh, you know, getting 7.5 at home, mile high. The, the Chiefs have definitely been known – you know, they flex their muscles when they have to, and sometimes they can just be very sleepy. Uh, now they still they win the game. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, I think the the Warriors have been like that for many stretches over the peak Steph Curry years, and I think the Chiefs definitely have that. And, and to me, the Chargers, we talked about it last week, why we like the Chargers. It's like, I, I think the, the the Chiefs, in a weird way, like respect them because they've played them so tight over the years, and, and they get they give a really good effort. I can't imagine the same respect that they have, not just for Denver in general, because they've been kicking their ass now for years, but like this specific team. Yep. Yeah, I think there's too many points over a touchdown, even at seven. Um, look, yeah, you mentioned it. The Chiefs, they kind of play with their food. They play down or up to their competition. Part of that is, and that's why one of the reasons why they've been so bad as a, as a bigger favorite, historically with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, they also know how to run out the clock late. and But a lot of that is that they just don't show their whole arsenal. And why would you, right? They don't show everything in the playbook. They don't, you know, it's like, hey, we don't have to unleash all of our uh, our full arsenal here against a game we know that we're going to win. And this would be the perfect spot to like, hey, let's hold things back because you just beat the Chargers. You have the Dolphins and the Eagles coming up in your next two games. So it is a perfect time to just say, all right, we're not going to show much. I would say that, look, the 
Chiefs probably come out a little sleepy here off of a huge win, two big games coming up. And the Broncos, look, everyone remembers that 70-point game. It's like how some people still remember the Cardinals beating the Cowboys. No, the Cardinals the Cardinals suck. Um, they're, they're horrible. They get blown out by double digits every week. The but the, the and the Broncos defense is not good, but it's not that team, and they've gotten better. I don't know what Vance Joseph was doing over the first forty days. I think he was on a uh, it's a long extended bender. I've I've been there, so I get it. But they Same. didn't make any changes on the defense. They finally have. They changed some of their pressure schemes. They also are getting healthier. You get Browning back, DJ Jones back. They finally benched Amari Mathis last week, which is massive. He's been the worst corner in the league by far all year. Uh, you can look at any like, – and that's huge because you have Patrick Sertain on the other side. So what does that mean? Teams are throwing at the other corner no matter who it is. So you get Fabian Moreau in there. He's a veteran. It's not an elite guy, but he's the serviceable starter. And they finally got Damari Mathis out of there. I don't know why they kept uh, putting him out there and he was getting burned every single week. So, you know, some guys healthier. They made some schematic changes. You got Mathis out of there. You get Moreau in at corner. This defense still not good, but it it's serviceable. Um, and it's, you know, the last two weeks, they held the Chiefs, who were kind of playing around with their food, to, what, 22 points at home. They held the Packers last week to 17, 17 points. So this defense is a little better. The offense, with that, look, Russ is not, he's, he's washed. It is what it is. The offensive line is getting better. They're healthier at the skill positions. They just got to come out here. It's going to be like 20 degrees. They just got to run the ball and keep running it and keep giving it to Javante Williams, who's now at 100% health. They didn't give it to him enough in Kansas City. He averaged, I don't know, five, six yards a carry. Feed him, shorten the game. Your defense isn't as bad as it's been. This is too many points at home. And this Broncos team that isn't going anywhere. They've lost, what, like for 10 years straight. They haven't beat the Chiefs in 10 years. This is pretty much their Super Bowl. I think you get a max effort here and potentially sleepy Chiefs team, uh, I think, over touchdowns of play here. Okay, n- another big divisional game. Minnesota at Green Bay. I, I woke up this morning scrolling X and I saw Kurt Warner defending Jordan Love uh, breaking down the tape saying no one's open when I watch Jordan Love even if no one's open I I see a guy that just doesn't look that comfortable obviously the Packers have not played well of late Minnesota incredible win on Monday night I mean Cousins was fucking lights out 35 of 45 almost through 400 yards and honestly, the eye test was better than the numbers, especially when you factored in Je- Jefferson's on the side, Addison coming in and out of the game. He he was awesome. Short week for them on the road, divisional opponent. Kind of a kitchen sink game for Green Bay, right? I mean, you lose this game, all of a sudden we start talking about uh, are they headed toward competing to be a top-five drafting team? I don't know. I, I, I don't quite know what to make of this Green Bay team, besides I don't think they're very good. But they f- they don't they don't feel like a team that's going to go four and thirteen, right? They they do feel more like a six or seven win team. But this is a type game. I I don't think I could touch this game because the bet would be Green Bay. But it's like I don't know. Maybe Minnie's got a little little juice. They a lot of people are like, oh, they're not quite dead, especially when you look at the NFC. But I don't know. This this is a tough one for me. Yeah, this is pack, Packers all the way for me. Now you're getting plus one. This is the past five weeks. What have we seen? It's all the teams that have the big win uh, that start getting the chatter in the media and everyone, you know, betters are like, Ooh, Kirk Cousins, MVP, uh, Vikings playoffs. Like this happens, you know, for, I think this is a six straight week. If you pick out that, we said, that we said Niners undefeated. <laughs> now they're losing Niners games. Undefeated. You saw the Dolphins put up 70. They get blown out. You see the bills blow them out. They get all the hype. They've lost. They should have lost three straight since to the Pats, Giants and Jags. Uh, you know, the Niners beat the Cowboys. They lose two straight. 
Uh, the Lions won four straight. Everyone's talking about them. They lose, by, you know, by 130 in Baltimore. So uh, I think this is another case where the Vikings are getting a little bit too much love. Look, Cousins was in his bag. He has games like that, and he was shredding San Francisco. But I think a lot of that game also had to do with uh, San Francisco's injuries and their mistakes. And Purdy, if you look at Purdy's numbers, I don't know if you've seen this, like before and after the concussion. Oh, I saw. Um, they were pretty alarming. So, I, you know, and he had a couple of mistakes, and – I think the 49ers, even with how great Cousins was, still win that game. If, if did, didn't, get that t- didn't Tua last year, it was either Thanksgiving or Christmas when they played the Packers, got a concussion, but they didn't know. And then he like yeah. threw like four picks in the second half. And everyone's like, that's the worst quarterback we've ever seen. Turns out yeah. he was concussed. <laughs> yeah, it's, it happens a couple times a year. And then you'll be like, oh, now it makes sense. Like why they just didn't see any linebackers or safeties and we're just throwing it. <laughs> Uh, straight ahead. So, yeah, I don't I, look, I'm not overreacting to that game and what the Vikings did. This is a Vikings team that still cannot run the ball for the life of them. So they have to just drop back and throw it 45 to 50 times. Well, the that's not how you want to attack the Packers. You want to run on the Packers. They're a run funnel defense. Jair Alexander, who look, the Packers, the Packers are two and four. They've had three losses by a combined seven points. They led by in the fourth quarter in three of their four games. Their offense has been so inconsistent, as you'd expect with Jordan Love, and an offense that has injuries that's had injuries on the offensive line and wide receiver. For whatever reason, their offense grades out dead last in the NFL in the first half and number one in EPA per play in the second half. Makes sense of that because I can't. But uh, they're, I don't think they're as bad as they've looked or as people think. And this is a good matchup for them because Minnesota can't run the ball. Jair Alexander, one of the best corners in the NFL, didn't play last week. Uh, and he's missed a, a couple games. He's going to play, so he, you can put him. You can shadow Addison with him. No Jefferson, and uh, I think that, that this Minnesota offense will not look anywhere close outdoors to it, what it did last week. And the other side of the ball, you know, the Green Bay offense. I'm not really sure what Matt Lafleur is doing play calling wise. They're not really taking many shots. Granted, they've had a ton of injuries, but does he does he, does he trust the quarterback? Yeah, maybe not. But they're they're throwing they're. They're running it too much. They're throwing it way too short. But guess what? That's what will work against the Vikings. Yeah. The Vikings are blitzing a ton, and you can run on them. Vikings are 25th in defensive success rate against the run. Maybe Aaron Jones is finally healthy. He's only getting like 10 touches a game. I'm not even sure what's going on there. Yeah, even if they're the bye. But, yeah, you know, even A.J. Dillon can have success getting like three, four yards against this Vikings defense. And the Vikings, what they're doing under Flores, look, they lead the NFL in blitz rate at 58%. But they also are taking away the explosive play. They they have double the league average. You know, they're double the second team in drop eight coverage. So what Flores is doing with this really, you know, this ta- this unit that lacks in talent, uh, he's getting the most out of it. But he's bringing a ton of blitzes and he's dropping his safety's way back. He's saying, look, we're going to try to get pressure on you and create a negative play, but we're also not going to let you get, you know, 30, 40 yard gains. You're still going to have to earn it down the field. We hope that you'll make a mistake. But that's that kind of doesn't really work against the Packers. The Packers aren't trying to drop back and throw it down the field. They're trying to run it and they're trying short pass. And that's what can work against Minnesota. Um, and Jordan Love, for all his shortcomings, he actually look a lot of variance in these numbers over you know just six games. But his numbers against the Blitz are pretty good. He has four touchdowns, no interceptions against the Blitz, seven touchdowns, seven interceptions interceptions when he's not blitz. So I think this is the good buy low spot, sell high the Vikings, short week. And it's a decent matchup on both sides if you get into it. I just don't think the Vikings are as good as they looked last week. Packers aren't as bad as they have been. They're getting a little healthier. 
I think this is your buy low, sell high spot, uh, divisional home short dog at home outdoors. Um, give me the pack here. I, I know you told me you wanted to get weird Texans at Panthers. Yeah, uh, this this is my favorite over of the week, and you would you, some people might be saying like uh, Texans, uh, you know, Panthers over. Well, here's here's the case. Well, first of all, the Texans are fast. They play fast. And they've been playing. They're, I think, top five in pace in the NFL. And Shroud's been good off the jump. Bryce Young has not been. But he showed some flashes, to, you know, the, first, the two weeks before their bye week. And that's important because both of these teams had bye weeks leading up to this game with new staffs, new schemes, and rookie quarterbacks. And if you go back 30 years, overs with rookie quarterbacks after a bye week are hitting at about 61% over a 30-year time frame, which makes sense. It's like, all right, let's reevaluate. The game might have been too fast. You get like two weeks to kind of reset. What are we doing well? What are we not? I think Bryce Young can really benefit from that. But I think the biggest thing here is that uh, Frank Reich handed over play-calling duties to Thomas Brown right before the bye against the Dolphins. And the most interesting thing to come out of that game is with Bryce Young before then, the Panthers were the slowest team in the NFL. That one game under Thomas Brown, it comes from the McVay tree, love tempo. Bryce Young loved when running tempo at Alabama. They were they led the league in week six in no huddle rate. They were one of the fastest teams that weekend. So I don't think the market's fully accounting for that. I think the, the Panthers with Thomas Brown calling plays after the bye, I think they're going to go from one of the slowest teams to one of the fastest. So even if it's a disaster with Young, at least they're going fast. Um, so this game, I think we played at a really high tempo. I think both – look, Stroud's been good from the jump. Yeah. And he's even had a disastrous offensive line in front of him. I mean, you, you, you different guys out every week. So you have a healthier offensive line, two weeks to reset. Um, so I think both quarterbacks will play better. I don't know how much better Stroud can play as a rookie. but I think, And this game will be played at a high pace. Neither defense is any good. Um, so yeah, I think this has a, uh, like this sneaky shootout potential where it turns into like that narrative game where, you know, your two rookies are battling it out. Um, and it turns actually into a fun game that no one was anticipating being fun, but I think it's the pace here. I think that you're going to see the Panthers offense look a little better. So not great, but just a little better, but most importantly, they're just going to be going fast and using a lot of no huddle and tempo. There, there's some games. I mean, there are just some big swing games this week. Now, you know, Purdy's more than likely out. No one's cleared concussion protocol playing the Bengals off a of bye. The Browns, Deshaun Watson situation is a disaster. He's out on the road at Seattle, who if Cleveland loses and the Niners can't beat the Bengals, all of a sudden Seattle would be in first place in the West. And then the Steelers, off of, like they're playing the Jags. You would think like a couple weeks ago to be like I like the Jags in that game, but now you know the Steelers got a little momentum at home. That's probably a weird spot for Tomlin. Usually he's better as the the underdog, but I this this weekend could get weird. That's all I know. Yeah, I mean, look the we saw the Ravens are you, hitting the their Ravens stride. get the Cardinals. They'll kill them. Yeah, yeah. So the Ravens are hitting their stride. The Browns are like they're. I mean, if they could just stay healthy at quarterback that if they, if they just had seat. average quarterback play yeah. just like a top 15 16 guy yeah. a Derek Carr Jimmy Garoppolo when they were kind of good they'd be fine right look the the Browns will still 
they're, they're still going to be in the mix. And you, you mentioned swing games. The last two weeks with P.J. Walker, you get the Niners to miss a 40-yard field goal, and then you get that P.I. call on a, a, a ball that landed in Texas uh, against the Colts and, and uncatchable. Yeah, by the way, the uncatchable rule in the NFL, it, 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 every three, four weeks they'll say uncatchable, but or every four years, I should say. I always think they take the rule away. Like, because they never worry about uncatchable. Then every once in a while, they'll call and catch one. I'm like, oh, I yeah, feel like when we were that. kids, they used to call it all the time, didn't they? All the time. They would have a conference, <laughs> and then they would do this. Everyone yeah. would do this on the sidelines, the coaches. And then the ref would say, pick up the flag, say the ball was uncatchable. It happens once in a blue <laughs> moon. Uh, so it's crazy. But look, those two games, they could have easily lost, and they got the two wins with P.J. Huge, because now you're four and two. Because the AFC North. I mean, the, the Bengals are in last place at three and three. And, you know, they're still going to be underdogs this week. Lose that game. You're way behind the eight ball. I still think the 49ers, even if they lose, I think the game's much more important for the, the, Bengals. the Bengals because the 49ers still have the Seahawks twice coming up. The division is still weak. Like the Bengals' division is brutal. The Bengals have the hardest schedule in the NFL, remaining schedule in the NFL, uh, if you look at strength of schedule. So this game is much more important for the Bengals. I do think that. Look, if the 49ers lose this game, weird things can still happen, but you could throw out the one seed, but it doesn't really matter with that team. Um, it's the, the, They're a team that's – it doesn't matter if you're, you're outdoors and weather. They can kind of play the same way. Um, e- Eagle, Eagle, like Eagles would feel like a lock for the one seed, wouldn't they? Yep. Yep. Well, the, I mean, look, the, the – They still play Seattle. Yeah, the Eagles – I will say that the Eagles, they – it was really important for them with these new coordinators, and they've had some struggles. But like they could have lost to Washington if they went if River Paddleboat Ron went for two. <laughs> but the they have it was really important to get off to a good start because they play the they're at the Commanders, which is not a lock. Like if that gets no. to seven, I'll play Washington. There, Washington tends to just play them tough. But after that game, Eagles go Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, Niners, Cowboys, Seahawks. That is the hardest six-game stretch I think I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, Cowboys twice, Chiefs, Bills, Niners, and at Seattle to cap it all off. I mean, that is That's brutal. Tough. So you could yeah. see them go three and three over that stretch. So there's still a lot of football to be played. But, yeah, with only one one seed in home field, it's there's every week is even more important than it's ever been. So I'm looking forward to Sunday. And then Monday we get the Raiders. That should be fun <laughs> at Detroit. Yeah, God. these primetime games, man. They they. <laughs> when can we start flexing? We got in primetime. We're gonna have Agent and uh, and uh, Hoyer or O'Connell. I mean, it's it's bad. We get Baker we, tonight. What are we doing? Okay, Stucky. Well, let, let's enjoy the weirdness. Uh, no buys. I mean, we got a full slate of games. There, there's 16 yep, games yep. this weekend, so there's uh, you, you better have multiple TVs and iPad because there's a lot of shit going on come Sunday. So uh, enjoy it. I'll talk to you next week. Absolutely. Have a good weekend, brother. The volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, That grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. 
Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 